Welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. God so loved the world, but do we realize that he still does? God uses people's stories to encourage and enlighten us to continue growing, learning, and living with hope. Here, you will find the love of God speaking to you through the stories of others. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Daily Disciples Podcast. My name is Tony Lee Adamson, and I am thankful to be here today to talk about the promised power or the promise of power through the Holy Spirit. And I I can tell you that there are many controversies, debates, and contradictions on this topic of the Holy Spirit. They are countless. However, the Holy Spirit is like the wind or oil or water, and we cannot pin him down or track him down. So there are a lot of debates over spiritual baptisms, fillings, anointings, second blessings. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I can say that that I want to talk to you today, not only to give you the knowledge and the understanding of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, but also from a real practical perspective of how to walk out our spiritual life. We do not live fully in the Christian experience without knowing and understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is first with us, then he is in us, then he is upon us to finally move and have his way through us. And um, it sounds confusing, but it's really not. I've said I've said it before that uh, I came to know Jesus when I was 14, and the Word of God came alive to me. I really did feel it as, as if it was God's love letter to me. And I would read the Bible over and over, and it, it said to go and tell. And I said, okay, I got to go and tell. So after completely dedicating my life to Jesus, like I will go anywhere for you, Jesus. I will do anything you want me to do, Jesus. Um, And I was, again, 14, and I came to know him in February, and I said this prayer of complete surrender by April. So you could say, I made, Jesus became my savior in February. But Jesus became my Lord, my master, my my God in April when I prayed this prayer. And uh, the miracle that the Lord was able to, to start moving through my lives. Uh, I remember going home and, and saying to my mom, my sophomore year of high school, you know, I really think we need to have a Bible study in this house. And I did not know one Christian friend not one and i went to a very large public high school and uh my mom said okay and literally the one person who sat behind me in spanish her name was nina said she was talking to two people who came to her door about god and i turned around and i said do you want to talk about god and she said i do and i said great, I'm having a Bible study at my house tonight. And it was literally the first one. And it was only, 
my mother and I. And I said, can we pick you up? We were sophomores and not driving yet. And she said, sure. So after having that quote Bible study in the car, I said to Nina, you have to do this. You have to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And she said, okay. She bowed her head and prayed in her driveway with my mom and my mom and I in the front seat, Nina in the back. And then I said to her, now we need to tell others. And it was a result of us going out two by two, you know, Nina and myself, that we started sharing the love of God with others. And we saw revival in that high school. We, we, many, many people came to Jesus. And I have to say, going back to all these reunions, um, many, many people are still walking with Jesus. And then also the, the revival starts having a life of its own. So, you know, I might've initiated it, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, but, but God's movement goes far beyond us individually. I mean, I, I, I do not take, um, any credit for the movement God did through that. But boy, did we see lives change and boy, did we see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit and through that revival. So I really do want to discuss this. Bobby Brooks and myself actually wrote a Bible study called Life in the Spirit. And this podcast is dedicated to that. You can find Life in the Spirit by Tony Lee Adamson and Bobby Brooks on Amazon. You can find it through Christian bookstores, Lifeway carried it for a long time. Now we know they're not in business, but a lot of the online stores continue to carry life in the spirit. Uh, also, if you go to dailydisciples.org, you can order it through our website. So we are going to jump into this controversial topic that doesn't need to be. I mean, God doesn't do anything that is difficult or or challenging. I mean, Jesus told us it was the babes in Christ that had the spiritual eyes. So it's coming to the Lord in, in that place of gentleness, in that place of being wide-eyed and, and willing to see what God is doing. It's in, it's in that type of heart that the Holy Spirit moves. And so we're going to begin by uh, talking about I refer to the baptism of the Holy Spirit primarily because Jesus said, John baptized you with water, but the Holy Spirit will baptize you with fire. So baptism is a submersion or, you know, like, like baptism with water. We go, well, I got baptized in the ocean. I also got baptized in the Jordan River. So we go into the water, whatever that may be. I have baptized others in a jacuzzi, you know, so whatever water that is, we go into the water and we submerge ourselves down so that when we come up, we have experienced new life. And Jesus did not sin. When we are baptized with water, we are in a place of repenting, saying we acknowledge God that we have gone our own way. But now we want to make a public proclamation of going your way. Now, Jesus was baptized also, and I, I think often about him getting in line, you know, to have John the Baptist baptize him and he'll next, you know, next, next. It's kind of like going to Disneyland and, and you're in those lines, like next on next. And Jesus actually stood in line to get baptized. And then when John the Baptist saw him, he said, 
why am I baptizing you? You should be baptizing me. And, and John had, had said, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. Like, what is this? You stood in line for me to baptize you? And Jesus said, you know, this has to be done. And what happened was when Jesus was baptized, as he came up from the water, the Father spoke and then the Spirit of God descended. And it was at that point that then Jesus started his earthly ministry. We don't know much about Jesus's childhood. We don't have like the gospel according to Mary, you know, his mother. Um, we have uh, just what God has revealed and what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us through the word of God is really the beginning of Jesus's ministry, which started with baptism. So baptism is very important, but the baptism of water is only the first step. There's also the baptism of the spirit. And you know, without the baptism of the spirit, you cannot pray prayers of power. You will not see the Holy Spirit move through your life in such a miraculous way that you could only stand back and say, God gets the glory for that. And that's all the Lord wants, that the glory goes to him. So what do we do? We pray. We pray constantly for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives to move through our lives. We pray that our our flesh may decrease, the ways of the world in our lives may decrease, that the power of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit may increase in our lives. And that's even what happened with John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist said, my ministry must decrease because he now must increase. And Jesus is still increasing today. And he's increasing through us for greater things shall we do than even Jesus did while he was on the earth. And, and we know all the miracles that Jesus did and how he died an innocent. He was innocent, the, the spotless, blameless, a blemish free lamb of God who took away the sins of the world so that through his resurrection power, we may also experience that power. So today let's discuss uh, the Holy Spirit. We need to know that the spirit was not fully released until Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And for us today to receive the Holy Spirit, we must first believe in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ through faith. We have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is the risen son of God. And once we've accepted Jesus as our savior, we're, intimate, we're immediately filled with this Holy Spirit and our bodies become the temple here on earth. I actually discussed our bodies being the temple of God in a previous podcast. But at that point, we are guaranteed the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to get into right now, because salvation is not only a prayer. So what is salvation? Salvation is living an eternal life with God. That's what salvation means, right? Eternity with God, having a relationship with the everlasting God. Now we did have a time that we were born and we will have a time that we physically die, but it's in between those two times that we have an opportunity 
for salvation. All right. Now, in John 14, Jesus said to his disciples right before he went to the cross, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he will be in you. And I've thought about that a lot because that tells us that those disciples really didn't have a clue about what Jesus was doing because they didn't have the Spirit of God in them at this point. The Holy Spirit was with them like he is with us. We're told in Genesis 1 that the Holy Spirit hovers over the face of the earth. We are told that the Holy Spirit is what moves on the earth. We are told that the Holy Spirit is like the wind, that we don't see which way it comes or which way it goes, but we hear its sound and we watch its movement. The Holy Spirit is spiritual, but the Holy Spirit is also a person. He is a member of the Trinity. Trinity means three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to come. We ask the Holy Spirit to move. We ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our ears to understand. We ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the Word of God, which was written through men by the power of of the Holy Spirit. So the Word of God is the Spirit of God in written form. Jesus is the Word of God in physical form. And then we now have the Spirit of God within our hearts that connect to the Bible, which is the spiritual form. And that's how the Lord leads us. Because without spirit and truth, so spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit comes in us, not only with us. With us means he's leading us to Jesus. He's leading us to know Jesus and to make him known. But the only way we can make Jesus known is by the Holy Spirit then coming upon us. So there are three different, you know, they're, they're like prepositional words, right? with, in, upon, through. I mean, think about it. So with means the Holy Spirit is moving us in the direction of saying a salvation prayer. The salvation prayer starts the eternity with God. That prayer starts by humbling yourself, humbling your heart, bowing your head and saying, Lord, Yes, I am a sinner. I need to be saved from myself. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. And I pray that you may fill me with the Holy Spirit. And what happens in that salvation prayer? The salvation process begins. Because salvation doesn't start the day we die. It doesn't start like, quote, at the pearly gates. It starts on earth. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in Luke 17, or it might be Luke 19. Jesus said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with saying here it is or there it is. For the kingdom of God begins within you. Okay. So 
So when we pray that prayer, then the process of salvation begins. And that process means the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and seals us for the day of redemption. So what does that mean? That means in um, Ephesians 1.13, I'm going to look that up very quickly. Ephesians 1.13, I have it actually on this book, says, Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise. So when you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The day the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, that is God saying that he guarantees that you will be with him forever and eternity. At that minute, your eyes are opened and you start understanding the scriptures and you start understanding a spiritual life. So in other words, we were dead in our sins before we said that prayer. But that salvation prayer then begins a process of walking out our lives. And hopefully we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can tell you there are so many people that I sit there and I go, they are missing out on the the power of the Holy Spirit, which he is promised to us through Jesus. And I want to go through that now through the scriptures, okay? So right now I'm in John chapter 20. And this is, uh, the scene is, it's the resurrection day and the events that happen on the resurrection day. So we know that Jesus was killed as the Passover lamb. Passover is explained to us in uh, the book of Genesis, I mean, Exodus. And it's through Moses taking the Israelites out of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea to the other side of the desert or the wilderness, and they were freed from slavery. Now the Red Sea, walking through the Red Sea represents a baptism from the old life of slavery under the Egyptian rule through the Red Sea or through the baptism of God to the other side where there is freedom to worship God and know him. That's what the Passover represents, the old life of slavery into a new life of the power of the Holy Spirit. So for us, the old life of living according to our sins into a new life of being alive with God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in John 20, the women, Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb. And she saw that Jesus's body was taken away. So this is three days after Jesus's death on the cross. And Mary was standing outside weeping. And suddenly um, Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
And Mary supposed that he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you have carried him, Jesus, away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away, which is the most precious thing that she just wanted. She didn't care if Jesus was dead or alive. She just wanted to be with him. You know, she just wanted to, to uh, love on Jesus and, and be with him one last time. And then Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Just the way Jesus said, Mary, she knew it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. So during this period of time that Jesus died, he... Um, we're told in Ephesians, he went to set the captives free. But before he ascended straight to his father, the one that he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because at that point, Jesus took all the sins of the world on himself when he died on that cross. He wanted to show and tell us so much that he loves us so greatly that he would actually add a stop and see Mary first. And he even said to Mary, don't, don't cling to me. You know, like I, I'm, I'm not ready yet. Like we're not ready, but I just wanted you to know to, to stop crying. It's going to be okay. I'm going to go to the father. And now he's going to be your father too. I'm going to go to God. And now he's going to be your God too. And um, she ran back, of course, and told the uh, disciples. And then verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut because the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. These disciples that followed Jesus for all these years, they, they were fearful because the same people who killed Jesus might now want to kill them. And they were so confused. They thought Jesus was going to be an earthly king. Jesus kept talking about a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of earth. But they were confused and they didn't understand because the Holy Spirit was with them, but the Holy Spirit wasn't in them yet. Just like Jesus said through John 14. So when the doors were shut and the disciples were sent, assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now, why did he say that? Because the essence of perfect peace was standing right there with them. Jesus represents the king of peace, the prince of peace. He is peace. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what in the world does that mean? Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, now with the breath of Jesus, with the pneuma, the, the same breath that God breathed into Adam and Eve, like that same breath, he now breathes into his disciples and the Holy Spirit comes in them. Now, we get a further clarification of what that means in Luke 
chapter 24. Again, it's the first day of the week, very early in the morning. And the women, again, are going to the tomb. And, um, and the two on the road of Emmaus on the same day, they're walking seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're talking about what happened with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and starts explaining to them all the things that had to happen. So they run, the, the two from Emmaus, when they realize, oh my gosh, that was Jesus, they run back to the disciples another seven miles to say, we saw the Lord. So verse 36, so Luke 24, 36. Now, as they said these things, the two from the road of Emmaus who had walked with Jesus and Jesus had explained, that is the they, they said. These things, Jesus himself stood in the midst and said to them, peace to you. So the gospel of John, according to John in chapter 20, and now the gospel according to Luke in chapter 24, Jesus shows up in the room that is locked. He just shows up and he says the same thing, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Well, because Jesus, we just saw you die three days ago. And we have been crying hysterically because we have no clue what this means to us. Not only have we lost you, who we had so much hope for an earthly rule, but now we've also, we're also thinking we're all going to die because we gave up everything for three years, not even understanding because the spirit was with us and not in us. And you're standing here and you just w walked through the doors to get here that we had bolted. I mean, of course they were like dazed and confused. And Jesus says, behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And some of the translations say for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. That tells us right there that there are true ghosts in the world because Jesus was acknowledging ghosts don't have flesh and blood, but I am not a ghost. I am truly here. And then he asked for something to eat. And, uh, and I think that's awesome because I think Jesus really enjoyed eating, which is why we even have the Passover supper. You know, Jesus said, I won't eat this again until I'm with you in paradise. But in uh, 40, verse 42, so they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. And I bet right when he ate that, they said, yep, that's exactly how Jesus ate for the last three years, you know, all the meals that they shared together. So then Jesus says, verse 44, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So in John's gospel that he wrote, John says he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. But Luke says, with that breath came understanding that they could understand all the prophecies written in the Old Testament. It's our Old Testament. It was their, their law, their um, words of God. These disciples now 
when Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit came in them. And the change was that they now understood why Jesus came to earth, died on a cross, was resurrected. Now the Holy Spirit is in them. That is the same description as Ephesians 1.13, that we, at that point of our salvation prayer, we are given the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit coming in us, guaranteeing us salvation or sealing us for the day of salvation or the day of redemption, okay? But then Jesus goes on after he explains this and they start understanding it is written and thus was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. So Jesus is starting to explain this is going to be your role now. I have left, but I promised you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've promised you the baptism of power. And why are we given the baptism of power? Primarily for two reasons. So that we can share the gospel or preach the gospel and also so that we can work actively in the gifts of the Spirit so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the prayers that we pray that shoot up to the, to the altar before God, to the golden bowls where the angels come and mix it with incense and they make a, a beautiful aroma to God, that those prayers that are prayed from earth may now have power to not only penetrate the heavens, but to change the earth. And, and when we talk about God's will on earth as it is in heaven, it is God's will that you come to Jesus. It is God's will that you are baptized with water, that you may turn from your sins and accept a new life in Christ. And then it is God's will that the Holy Spirit comes in you so that you may completely understand why Jesus came, suffered, died, and was resurrected so that then the Holy Spirit may come upon you. And that's what I want to talk about in verse 49. So I'm still in Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. You see that word? Upon you. With you, so that you will come to Jesus, the Spirit in you, so that you can understand the Bible, understand the spiritual realm, understand that Jesus is the king of a different kingdom than earth understand Jesus's will for you and you have become his walking will when you accept him. So his will on earth as it is in heaven is you. You are his walking will. You are his will on earth when you come to know him.
But Jesus said, I will send you the promise of my Holy, of my Father upon you. Now, if Jesus just breathed in them and they received the Holy Spirit and comprehended the scriptures, then what is this next thing that happens? What is this promise that happens? Why do they have to wait for it? But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. So listen to that. The promised power. What is that? Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. So the, the peace that is with us is the presence of Jesus Christ in us. That, that, is, that is the peace, the peace of God. Peace be with you. There he is. Peace be with you. Peace is with us. He is with us and then he is in us. Praise God. But it is not until the promise of power, the promised power comes upon you that you are effective as a Christian, that you are spirit-filled, anointed, you know, second blessing, all, all these, all these terms. I went to a, a Nazarene seminary and they called it the second blessing, but I never really heard anybody really describe it well. You know, I mean, so uh, that's what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about the anointing, the continual fillings, the baptism, the, you know, I mean, all the things that are, that are addressed in the Bible when it comes to the spirit of God. Okay. So then he says, wait, so Luke was a physician and he was the author of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ according to his writings. So now we go to Acts, which Luke, this is his part two book. Okay, so he also wrote Acts, which is Acts of the Apostles or the beginning of the Apostles. So who is, a, who is an apostle? We have disciples, which are learners of Christ, okay? So they were disciples because they were learning about Jesus on earth for three years. But then when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were now apostles or now sent ones representing Christ. That's very different. It's very different to represent Christ than to come to know Christ, okay? So uh, it's like getting married, right? It's like it, you've got the engagement process and the dating process and all that. But when you marry someone, you know them much differently in their daily habits than when you are just dating. Okay. So it's the same thing. So now, now apostle means sent one. So they are going to be the ones that are sent with the message of Jesus. Okay. They're going to actually represent him. So let's talk about the power coming. I'm in Acts chapter one. And you know what? I better take a deep breath before I get going. Those of you who are just clicking on now, you are listening to the Daily Disciples podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. My name is Tony Lee Adamson or TL. I go by a lot. TL Adamson. 
Uh, Bobby Brooks and myself are the co-founders of Daily Disciples Ministries. Daily Disciples Ministries is a 501c3 ministry. It's been around for around 20 years. Our primary goal in the beginning of our ministry really was to preach and teach women. And, and our quote tagline was helping women helping women change their world for the better. Um, and that is our heart's desire. But of course, the message of the gospel goes to everyone. And, uh, and of course, men and women, children alike, we all need to know the uh, gospel. And so the Lord uses different people, different things, different opportunities to actually spread his gospel. So um, Daily Disciples Ministries was started, obviously, as to raise up disciples of Jesus Christ, to be, of course, apostles or to be sent out with the message of Jesus Christ. But we're also very, very much evangelistic in heart and mind of understanding the components of salvation, that it's not only a prayer, but it's also a process. And the process means that we walk out this journey endued with power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we do not have the Holy Spirit, there is no power. There's no power in your prayers. There's no change. I mean, how many people have you looked at and gone, gosh, that person is like a Christian couch potato. Are they going to do anything? And many times it's because they don't understand about the promise of the Holy Spirit's power. So that's where we are now. And I'm going to pick up in the book of Acts, a chapter three. So I'll do chapter two, I mean, verse two, until the day in which he was taken up, that's Jesus. And after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So after Jesus came in the upper room where Jesus breathed on them and the Holy Spirit came into them and, uh, and they then were understood spiritual nature of God and the kingdom of God, now... Jesus walked the earth for 40 days, continuing to teach. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was now the headquarters. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So in the upper room, Jesus breathed on them, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, John says, Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them, did they? Absolutely. They got their fire insurance. They are fully aware of, of now being able to study the Word of God, the Bible, which is written by a spirit, because now they have gone from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, okay? He continues, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, so promise of the Father, again, means 
clothed in abundance. Like, like the living water that Jesus talked about in John 7, 37 through 39. Like that living water just never stops. It just keeps pouring out of you. I mean, think about it. You throw a rock in the ocean and what does it do? It sinks. It, it, it can't do anything but sink. You throw a sponge in the ocean or in any water in the sink. What does a sponge do? It absorbs the water. So when we were baptized in water, we went in as stones, okay? And when we went down in that water, those previous choices and previous sins and, and previous problems that we had with that earthly perspective and just the heaviness of shame and guilt and, and uh, bad attitudes and, and brokenness falls in the water like rocks. They fall down. But you come up into a new life, a life that now the Spirit of God can work in you. Praise God. It's about you. Praise God. It's about me. But the Spirit of God cannot work through you with power until the Spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit, baptism. Jesus said, the promise that the Father has given to you will come upon you. Not many days from now. Verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you see that? We keep hearing that word, upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And exactly that verse, word for word, was fulfilled by the time we get to chapter 8. It starts in Jerusalem, where the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. Then it goes to Judea, and then it goes to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we're still talking about it today, right? I mean, that's the Acts of the Apostles started right here, and we're still talking about it today. So after he said that, he was taken up out of their sight in a cloud. And as they're staring up in the cloud, the angels say, why are you staring up into heaven, men of Galilee? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So how many days are they waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, for the power that comes upon them when the Holy Spirit comes upon them? They're waiting 10 days. Okay, so Jesus dies. He is resurrected that is our easter our we they we call it easter because that was a pagan holiday um it was a babylonian holiday about a, a queen aster which is how we got easter and then she was a fertility goddess and yada yada i don't know all the details i'm just thankful that god took both christmas which was a babylonian holiday and then he also took easter and and the christian church took them over and made them now symbols of Jesus, which is awesome. Now, you know that that Satan put them in place, but look how Jesus caused that to work together for good. We know Jesus wasn't born in the snow in, in December. You know, we, we know that. I mean, Israel doesn't snow. I mean, so, but we take those times and have made them 
Christian, which is like, praise God. I'm praying we can do that with Halloween too, to tell you the truth. But we'll see if that happens in my lifetime. Okay, um, so here we go. What are they doing for those 10 days that they are waiting? Now, they don't know it's going to be 10 days. We always know that in hindsight because Jesus died. He showed up on Resurrection Sunday in the upper room. He breathes on them. They start understanding Jesus' teaching, which does last for 40 days. Then he is taken up in a cloud and he says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Okay, And that promise comes with power because it is the power of the Holy Spirit. They are waiting. They don't know how long to wait. They're like, you know, wonder when this is going to show up. I wonder how this is going to show up. Well, we have to remember something. 50 days from Resurrection Sunday to Pentecost is, um, is the day that the Holy Spirit falls. So they literally are waiting 10 days. There were three festivals that every Jewish person, every Israelite, was told or required to participate in. And they were three festivals. One was the Passover. Okay. One was the Shabbat or Pentecost. And one was Sukkoth or the Feast of Booths. So we have to remember, all the Jews, no matter where they were living, were required to come to the physical temple in Jerusalem three times a year. One was for the Passover, which Jesus died, and then 50 days later was for Pentecost. So Christians think Pentecost is, you know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it is. But Pentecost was already an established festival that the Jew, the Israelite people living in the kingdom of Judah were required to come to. Okay, so, so it is the day of Pentecost. Now, before we get to the day of Pentecost, if you back up from chapter 2, what are the disciples, apostles, doing during these 10 days? Well, I'll tell you what they did. Peter said, gosh, we got to do something. Doesn't that sound like Peter? So Peter said, okay, like he's the one that says, let's go fishing. He's the one that says, let's, you know, he's always ready to do so. Oh, Jesus, I'll die for you. Oh, he pulls out the sword, cuts off the centurion's ear. I mean, G Peter's always doing something. So Peter says, we got to do something while we wait. Let, and he takes a scripture that says the, uh, the 12th disciple has to be uh, replaced. Okay. So it's in verse 20 of chapter one, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So Peter decided that they were going to cast lots and figure out who the 12th disciple was going to be. The 12th apostle was going to be that was in Jesus's ministry the entire time, but wasn't given the official title of disciple apostle. And so the lot fell on Matthias. So it became Matthias. So what did they do for 10 days while they waited? They played church. They got their bulletins ready. They took the scriptures and did according to their will. Now, the reason why I say that a little sarcastically is because 
Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, was also called to be an apostle. And to me, personally, I think the 12th apostle is Paul. I mean, that that's me. Now, there is a verse that says, and Jesus appeared to the 12, and that was before uh, Paul was even anointed and called and appointed to be an apostle. So there is some controversy on that. Like, well, Jesus acknowledged that he appeared to the 12. Well, he did appear to the 12 because they, these, these 11 appointed Matthias to be an apostle, a disciple. But do we hear any more about Matthias? No, we don't. But we don't hear about a lot of the apostles. A lot of, the, you know, like we hear about James and John and, you know, but in the New Testament, primarily the person who wrote the New Testament, besides the gospel writers, of course, and two of them were not disciples or apostles, uh, is Paul. So they, to me, they play church. So can we play church without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can we have churches that have no power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Many of us go to them frequently. I, I have this written down. Let me see if I, because I can't, I can't ever say it as smoothly as when it's written down. But when I was in seminary, uh, I'm looking for if I wrote it down. Hold on a second. I'll try to say it if I don't have it written down. But when I was in seminary, so I'm going to hear it. Here I go. I'm going to say it. In seminary, we were taught that 90% of all those who attend church go to 10% of the churches. And those 10% are primarily non-denominational. Okay, so 90% of everyone who attends church goes to 10% of all the churches that tend to be non-denominational. And then 10% of people who attend church go to 90% of the churches, which tend to be Baptist, Methodist, Assembly of God, you know, on and on, those that are denominations, all right? So um, what am I saying? I'm saying that, that there are some churches that you can tell the power of God is moving in, and there are many, many other churches that are just attempting so hard to keep the lights on. And that was also another discussion in seminary, like, at what point do you say, we're going to close this church down? You know, I mean, Bobby and I did some events in churches that, that had on average maybe 10 people that came. And that poor pastor felt defeated and, you know, like, what's wrong? What's missing? And uh, one of my friends who has a very small church, he said to me, well, those are the, these pastors that are only, you know, ministering to under 20 uh, though these people are the real pastors because they they know what the sweat and blood is of of trying so hard for one more person and and I've heard other pastors say, well, at that point, if you only have twenty in your church, you you really have a a home fellowship. You really just have a home Bible study in a fancy building. You don't really have a church. And you know, I I've thought about that a lot because I've been to many many churches and I have loved 
the smaller churches because you can get far more involved than many of the larger churches where, you know, your anonymous can slip in with your cup of coffee and slip out, you know, and they usually have a coffee shop. Um, the, the issue is if you are empowered with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you go to a small or a large church because God's going to have his will and his way in your life. You're a sponge that soaks up the water. You're a sponge that, that, uh, when you shake, when you shake that wet sponge, it sprinkles no matter where it is. I mean, you can be anywhere. And if you are empowered with the baptism of power of the Holy Spirit, you can go to, you can have your own church in your own house and be just as effective. I mean, I was, a, it was, I was 15 when we were then having the Bible studies in my house. And, you know, I went to three different churches. There were so many people coming to Jesus and I knew I needed to get them in a church that every weekend I would go to Chuck Swindoll's church, which was First Evangelical Free Church of Fullerton. That was more on a Baptist cut type of denomination. So I would bring the people who were more comfortable in a Baptist style church to Chuck Swindoll's. Then I also went to Chuck Smith's church, which to me had far more of a balance of spirit and truth. And, uh, and I went to that church also, and I would bring other kids that were more comfortable and wanted more of spirit and truth together. I would bring them to like the Calvary Chapel kind of church. And then there were those who just felt so beat up and abused from their past that even though they came to Jesus and there was a huge change in their life and a joy and a lightness in their step, they needed more more love, more mercy, more, you know, more of the touchy feeling things that they're okay. And I brought them to John Wimber's church and John Wimber was a Calvary Chapel, your Belinda guy who became a vineyard. Okay. So John Wimber actually put the vineyards on the map. There were vineyards prior to John Wimber, but uh, he left the Calvary Chapel system and went to vineyard because he didn't believe that you had to open up the word of God every time people were gathered together. He believed that the spirit of God could move and minister uh, without having, you know, something in the Bible exposited. So as a high schooler, I went to three different churches that all had different convictions and um, different teachings about the Holy Spirit. They did contradict each other, clearly. So there are churches today that, you know, they don't have very many people sitting there, but I can tell you that some of those churches are filled with more mercy and, and quote, good works, but not necessarily power, okay? But if you have power, great, go wherever you want. Get, go back to the Catholic church. I mean, do whatever you want because the Holy Spirit will have his way in your life. And if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you know it because when you shake, that water sprinkles and it causes, you know, it causes anointings and changes and you know it through your prayer life. You just do. So Peter puts Matthias in this position and then 10 days later after Jesus ascended into heaven, it says, chapter two of Acts, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had come. What does the word Pentecost mean? Mean Penta means 50. 50 days after uh, 
first fruits or 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. Okay? It is one of the festivals the Israelites were required to attend and participate in, which is why there were so many Jews who spoke different dialects and different languages in Jerusalem at this time. The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. So not only the 12 disciples who are going to be Acts of the Apostles, but even the women and all the others who were taught by Jesus that the Holy Spirit breathed on and they had received the first anointing or the first filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guaranteeing salvation through a prayer of repentance. Okay. Now the process of salvation is going to begin with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting or where they were resting. That's another word for sitting. So in other words, the Holy Spirit does not need you to be working or proving anything for you to get this. They were in one accord sitting on the day of Pentecost or resting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. So Jesus said, John baptized you with water. I will baptize you with fire. And there were something that appeared like divided tongues of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why? Because these devout men were required to come to the temple in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And it is on Pentecost, 50 days after Resurrection Sunday, that they, these men, these devout Jews are in this area. So these people who receive the gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit of power comes upon them and they start speaking in tongues. The tongues were to share the gospel to these devout Jews who were hearing their own native language of where they came from. They were hearing the message of the gospel through these tongues. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Who heard them speak in their own language? The devout Jews that 
came into Jerusalem for Pentecost. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then they name all the different languages. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. And it goes on. And obviously, I don't say all the words perfectly. But it goes on to all these languages that these disciples have received. Verse 12. So they, who are the they? were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked and said, ah, they're full of new wine. But you know what? It was only like nine o'clock in the morning. So, and Peter says that in his sermon, his great sermon that starts in verse 14. So the they who were all amazed were all the people who heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus being said to them in their native tongue. How do these Galileans, the ones that have these, quote, southern accents or New York accent, you know, how are they speaking our languages from all over? I mean, Crete, uh, Egypt, Libya, Rome, I mean, Asia, all, Mesopotamia, all these places. How are these Galileans speaking our native language? And then Peter gets up. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So, G so Peter starts preaching the gospel. So the promise of God comes with power. What kind of power? Power to pray prayers that shake the heavens and move the earth. Power to preach the gospel that others may be saved. Power to give you the boldness to talk to others and to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength so that you love others as, as much as you love yourself power to move on the earth in such a way that we live according to the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of earth. Power that we can see into the eternal perspective instead of the earthly. You know why? Because this world is filled with death, sin, dying, darkness, and we don't want to be about those things. We want to be about life and liberty and love, and that power starts with loving Jesus with our whole heart, which then the Holy Spirit comes upon you to give you the ability to love others. You get off the couch and you start thinking and talking and praising God, and it flows out of you like the sponge that's so absorbed with water that if you just shake it a little, it shakes all over and it makes a big splash on people.
That's what it is. It's power to live in this world from a different perspective, to help a broken world and broken people know the greater good, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is keeping an eternal perspective, the promise of power. Now, Peter, I, I, I like to say uh, the power of the Holy Spirit does two things. It helps us to share our faith and it helps us to serve the body of Christ and those around us. Okay. Share and serve. The power also gives us, um, it's the peace of God that reigns within us, but it is the power of God that moves through us because the promise of God came upon us. Okay. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's talk about the gifts of tongues. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk about this controversial gift that has divided the church today. We have churches that say it's not a gift of today. Well, if you don't believe it's a gift of today, don't worry, you won't get it. Unless you happen to be my pastor who got, was face down on, a, on some platform, giving his life completely to Jesus in a Baptist denomination and suddenly the Holy Spirit came on him and he starts speaking in tongues, which he did not expect at all. Believe me. So, uh, but if you don't want the, all the gifts of the spirit, God's not going to push his way on you. You, you know, you can be that rock that just falls to the ground. That's fine. Now I'm saying this not because I believe everybody has a gift of tongues. Everybody doesn't, but I'm going to tell you how I was exposed with, to the gift of tongues. So it was, uh, again, I was a sophomore in high school and way back then we had driver's ed in a parking lot that they actually gave us cars to drive. And, uh, one of the gals who was in the driver's ed class with me, um, her name was Karen and out of the blue. Now, remember, I did not know what the power of the Holy Spirit was. And I didn't know the power of the Holy Spirit meant that you could share be so spirit led that you would just share your faith to just strangers. Okay. So, so Karen was, um, in driver's ed and, and it was raining. Now that's very rare to rain in Southern California. And it wasn't only raining, it was starting to pour. And in the midst of us standing in the parking lot with the uh, driver's ed teacher, trying to figure out if we should get into these cars or not, I started sharing the gospel with Karen. I did not know Karen. It was just like the Lord, like Philip, you know, when Philip was lifted up and then just went and preached to the Ethiopian, it was the same thing. I was just led straight over to Karen and I start telling her that she needs to come to Jesus, that she needs to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, that she needs to know she is forgiven of her sins, that she needs, and I mean, and these are like 15 year olds talking to each other and she's listening but I don't care what her facial expressions are, firstly, because it's raining so hard, but secondly, because she's kind of looking at me like, who, what is your name and why are you telling me this? So my mom pulled up to pick me up from driver's ed and I said to Karen, come in my car. Um, my mom will explain some of this to you even better. So we get in the car and I don't even remember the conversation in the car. I just remember saying to Karen, are you ready to do it? Are you ready to do it now? And she said, yes. So just like Nina, the three of us, my mom, me and Karen, she bows her head, 
she comes to Jesus. And uh, I think we gave Karen a ride home uh, from driver's ed. I think she told her mom that, you know, I was um, going to drive her home. So my mom was going to drive her home. Well, the next morning, I had a telephone in my room. Karen called me. And Karen said, Tony Lee, she said, I got home last night. And when I was in bed, staring at the ceiling, I felt this peace come over me, right? Peace be with you, right? So that peace is Jesus, peace be with you. And she said, and out of the blue, I just started thanking and praising God for sensing a forgiveness a lightness, a freedom, a love that I had never experienced before. And she said, and all of a sudden I started speaking in another language. Do you know what that is? And I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, I can still do it. Do you want to hear it? And I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, can you find out what it is? And I said, yeah, I'll ask my mother and I'll call you back. So my mom got on the phone with some people from Chuck Swindoll's church. And um, my mom said, Tony Lee, you know, led someone to Jesus last night. And this morning she called Tony Lee and said, she's speaking in a foreign language. Do you know what that is? And the person that my mom called said, oh, yeah, that's the gift of tongues. But our church doesn't believe in that. So my mom said, well, why don't you believe in it? Well, some churches believe that you can still speak in tongues. Others believe that, you know, you... You don't, you don't speak in tongues that once the Bible was sealed as like the book of Revelation was put on the end and we're done, that those gifts stopped and they use verses from 1 Corinthians 12, which I will go over later, but probably not on this podcast. Uh, they use 1 Corinthians 12 to say why they feel that gift isn't for today. So my mom came and told me that and I said, well, I think I'm going to go with I believe in tongues considering I didn't know what it was. Karen certainly didn't know what it was. And that's how I was first exposed to tongues. So now we're starting to have more and more people come to Jesus. And I can tell you clearly that many received the gift of tongues out of the blue. Not, I mean, they just got it on their own. I mean, seriously, nobody had to pray a prayer over them or anything. They just got it. But many of us didn't get the gift of tongues. And I remember thinking, saying to the Lord, Lord, how come all these kids getting the gift of tongues feel so good about themselves all the time? Like, it is so unfair that here I'm the one leading them to you, Lord, but I don't feel good about myself. Why won't you give me the gift of tongues? Now, I didn't know at the time that, like Paul says, don't pray for the gift of tongues, pray for the gift of prophecy. And we'll go over that too in this Holy Spirit study because a gift of prophecy is active and alive today. And I prayed this so often because many people were coming to Jesus and many people were getting the gift of tongues. And one day in prayer, when I was on my knees in prayer as a high schooler, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, now, how do you know God is speaking to your heart? Well, firstly, I've been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know the difference between God's power and my little tiny fleshly ability. So 
when I hear something that does not sound anything like me and I have no context to even formulate those words or those thoughts, well, I know it is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict and exhort and to teach and to counsel and to guide. He is the paraclete. So he is called to do all those things. So when I recognize that voice, I say, that didn't come from me. That came from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. So I got this, this uh, thought came to my mind and it was the Lord. And because, you know, it's biblically proven too in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. The Lord said to me, the people who are getting the gift of tongues need a physical manifestation or a physical feeling that they are forgiven. They need to feel me. But speaking in tongues, they don't know what they're saying. So he said, I'm not giving you the gift of tongues. I'm going to give you the gift of intercessory prayer, which I didn't know I already had because I was praying for people to come to Jesus and they were, you know what I mean? Like that is gift of prayer, right? Um, I'm going to give you the gift of intercessory prayer. So the Lord is basically saying, I want you to see your prayers answered. So I'm not giving you the gift of tongues. Uh, years later, I did speak in tongues, but I have to tell you that that gift to me is exhausting. Um, I, and I, I've said that often. Now there are people I know that sing in tongues. I mean, they, they really have worked that gift out. I personally want every gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to be put in any opportunity that I can be used by the Lord. I mean, I want to be so spirit filled. I want to have less of me and more than more of him so much. And, and I really do believe the Lord gave me that desire because Jesus says, uh, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And my treasure really, really, really is to have eternal rewards. Like this earth is just a dress rehearsal for the real thing. And the, and the better I do it on earth, the, uh, the longer, like, like playtime is in heaven. And so I don't want to uh, save up things that rust and are eaten by moths. I want things that are etern eternal. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 3, that when we pass through the fire, okay? Isn't that interesting that Paul uses fire? When we pass through the fire, if we had wood, hay, and stubble, it will, stubble, it will burn up and you'll have nothing. You'll, you'll be saved. You prayed that prayer. You have the salvation prayer, praise God. But the process of salvation, walking it out with the power of the Holy Spirit moving through you, that's how we get eternal rewards. That's how we get, you know, all those blessings for eternity. Now, we're not going to be up there coveting each other's gifts, but I can tell you the greater revelation we have on this earth about an eternal perspective, the more we would all pray to be used by the Holy Spirit however we can. I mean, talk to whoever we can about Jesus. Um, Lord, and I've said it a lot, Lord, give me whatever gift I need 
in this place at this moment that you get the glory, Lord, and that you know I was obedient to do your will on this earth as it is in heaven. So do I believe in tongues? Absolutely, because the way the Lord manifested that gift, I cannot deny his power. But what do I think about tongues today? It does not, to me, it does not mean that if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I actually had a friend that I led to Jesus in high school. And then when we went to college, she went to a church that said, you have to speak in tongues in order to have the quote, baptism of the Holy Spirit. So she called me on an Easter break and she said, you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit because you don't speak in tongues. And I said to her, me, Teresa, me, you're saying that to me? The person who led you to Jesus? I mean, it, to me, it was it was such a joke because if anybody was completely broken, beat up, and um, and humbled, it was me. The power of the Holy Spirit flowed through me because the fire of the Holy Spirit kept burning my flesh up. And uh, I mean, I was called into the principal's office, and he would say, "Now you need to stop talking." about this Jesus. And I would go, I'd listen and nod my head and go out and go talk to Jesus. I mean, there were times that um, I remember in class, uh, they were talking about evolution and and I was such a problem that the uh, he was the, the water polo coach who taught biology. And he finally said, okay, everybody out. We're not, we're not learning about evolution. You know what I mean? So, so there was, there was just a yearning to share Jesus and the truth of the word of God. That, that's what there was. And that is what we still get with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you need the gift of tongues? No. The gift of tongues is a great gift. Paul says it's a gift that edifies you. It's a gift that makes you feel good. Everybody feels good when they're praising God, right? Uh, I know, I think it was Chuck Smith's wife that had the gift of tongues in French. And in the middle of a service that Chuck was preaching, she stood up out of the blue and started speaking in tongues. And someone who was walking by the church heard his native French language and ran in the church asking, who, spe who is speaking that language? That's my language. And that person came to Jesus. And that's exactly how the gift of tongues is used. I also knew another pastor's wife who had the gift of tongues in Spanish. And she was used to speak from the platform of, uh, of evangelism. And many people came to know Jesus through her gift of tongues. She didn't know what she was saying. I mean, she didn't get the glory. God got the glory. But many people came to know Jesus because God had his way completely through her. So is the gift of tongues one of the gifts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. And like Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but it's better to speak a few words you understand than speak in a language that you don't know. However, do you feel really good when you speak in tongues? Yes. But would you feel just as good if you learned how to worship God with your own native tongue? Absolutely. Are you limited by being used by God by not having tongues? No. I mean, Paul says also in 1 Corinthians, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all speak in the gift of tongues? And the answer is no, 
No, we don't. I'm trying to find that verse right now. The end of chapter 12. Here it is. He said, our, he said, so verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, sent ones. Second prophets, those who know God's will uh, from his word. And also in our everyday life, applying the word of God to our everyday life. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then Paul says, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? The answer to all these is no. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no, not all speak in tongues. But earnestly yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into love. The more excellent way is just to love. And the only way we can love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love our neighbor as ourselves, is through the promise of the Holy Spirit and the power that comes upon us. So how do you get the power of the Holy Spirit? All right. So the first step is we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But then what's the next step? Very, very rarely, and I've read a lot of books about the greats, you know, the, the great evangelists, the great pastors, the great teachers, the great everything, who are clearly anointed in the Holy Spirit. Uh, but very, very rarely have I ever heard of anyone who receives Jesus and the same day is anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm going to say that when the Nazarenes call it, quote, the second blessing, I would say that's probably a, a really good term for it because the first blessing is the prayer of salvation. The first blessing is being baptized by water or uh, or acknowledging that you need your sins forgiven, asking Jesus to come into your heart as Lord and Savior. I mean, that is, would be clearly the first blessing or, you know, the prayer of salvation, getting saved, getting God inside of you, okay? That's, that's first. It took me three months to be at a, um, a retreat in Yosemite with a church whose youth group was completely on fire. I mean, just on fire. And uh, my mom let me go, which was so not normal considering we were from New Jersey and I'm only 14. We lived uh, in California for only two years now. And for me to go with a strange church to, to a retreat for spring break was just foreign. I mean, my dad was just shocked my mom was going to let me go. But when we were there in Yosemite, uh, I was talking about things a lot. You know, I'm a talker. And um, I kept saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I saw the youth pastor make a face. 
like kind of roll his eyes and make a face at me while we were digging ditches for water lines. And I said to him, am I saying something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? And he said, yes, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. And I said, how? And he said, by saying, oh my God. And I said, I am so sorry. I did not know that. Well, that night before we were going to have worship, which to me was guitar playing. I didn't know what worship was. It, somebody played the guitar with songs. And before the teaching, uh, I was sitting in the uh, auditorium by myself. It was like a carpeted area. And I said to the Lord, I prayed and I said to God, I said, God, I don't ever want to hurt you. And I don't ever want to take your uh, um, commandments and, and break them. And I am really sorry, but Lord, I do pray that you will fill me. And I didn't even use these words, but that I can go where you want me to go. And then I can be completely alive for you, that I can completely live for you, that it doesn't matter what I do or where I go or, or that, that you have your way in my life and that I don't do anything to hurt you. And it wasn't until my 30s. Now I was probably almost 15 when I prayed that prayer, but it wasn't until my 30s that I started reading books like by R.A. Torrey and Dwight Moody and, you know, Charles Spurgeon, that I actually understood that what happened to me that night in that auditorium in Yosemite is that I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, I, I was young and I didn't, I didn't even really know the word of God, right? So um, did I feel, I, I've heard those men and talk about it like a liquid love comes on you that like you have this, the same feeling that, that Karen had when she got the gift of tongues. It was like um, this lightness, this light, this freedom. I felt all that. I, but I, I couldn't have put it into words. I mean, it wasn't until I read these books 20 years later that I thought, oh my gosh, that happened to me. You know, and it was, it was after that, that was in April. And it was after that in September of the following year that we started, well, it was actually February of the following year that, that I started a Bible study in my home that started the revival. So um, I didn't get the gift of tongues, but I did get that sense of a abundant peace, abundant love, the desire to share Jesus with everyone, the desire to read God's word nonstop, the desire to just be about God's business on earth as it is in heaven. And I didn't know anything. I opened my mouth and spoke about it and, and God moved. That was it. So today, the gift of tongues, what it was used to unite in, the, in Acts chapter 2 and three, like the gift of tongues was used to unite the Jewish people. So first the Jewish people came to Jesus. And then in chapter eight, the Samaritans came to Jesus, which was kind of like, how can a Samaritan come to Jesus? They're, they're like half breed Jews, but they got the gift of tongues. So the apostles and all the people in Jerusalem said, oh, they got the same gift we did. So it united the Samaritans to come 
to Jesus and to be accepted into the first church. And then in chapter 10 with Cornelius, who was a Gentile, that was 10 years after Pentecost, the first Gentile came to Jesus. And what happened there when Peter showed up? The gift of tongues. Peter didn't even get to that part of the sermon and tongues just fell on these people. And the reason why that was so significant was because the Jewish Christians, they did not know Gentiles were going to come to Jesus. So when Peter went back to Jerusalem after going to Cornelius's house, he said, how can we deny that these people can't have salvation? Like we cannot deny that God is giving them salvation because the same gift of tongues he gave to us, he gave to them. And that's when the gospel, like in, in Acts chapter 1, 8, it will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's when the gospel spread. And then Saul, who becomes Paul, comes to know Jesus in chapter 9. And he's actually the apostles to the Gentiles, which happened in chapter 10 of Acts. So um, the gift of tongues was used to unite the church. It was used to say everybody can come to Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross and his blood dripped into the ground, the world was able to be saved. You know, I mean, we were able to come to Jesus and walk by him, to walk by faith and not by sight and to live for a completely different kingdom. That was the acts through the acts of the apostles that continue through us today. So when we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, we first say the prayer of salvation and that is the Holy Spirit getting in us but then the promise of salvation is a process and the only way for us to really experience the Christian life is by the Holy Spirit then coming upon you and not only getting in you but now coming out of you it's getting out of you through the work of God in your life. And with the promise of the Holy Spirit, we are given gifts to do a work based on the calling of God. That is, that's what it is. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts that we can do good works unto the calling of each one as the Holy Spirit wills. And we are going to get into gifts and works and callings and anointings and, and all that uh, as we continue this series of the Holy Spirit. But I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who've been listening. You've been listening to a Daily Disciples podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. My name is Tony Lee Adamson or TL. Please feel free to check us out at dailydisciples.org or connectionsnetwork.tv. We also, uh, Bobby Brooks and myself, have been teaching and preaching and writing, you know, for over 20 years now. And our heart truly is to have people understand what it is to live a spirit-filled, powerful life. And, and to let the Lord do whatever he wants in your life, to give you the convictions he wants to give you in your life. And so I just want to say thank you so much for listening. 
I'm going to be continuing this series for a very long time because the one thing I fully, fully believe in is that we cannot pray enough and we need as you know, power and daily fillings. Lord, fill me today with your Holy Spirit that wherever I go, I have your eyes that I may touch with your hands. And I, and in closing, I just want to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. And peace is that first step of understanding his way and his will. And then the second step is his power of anointing through the Holy Spirit that God's work may be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to God be the glory and the honor and praise both now and forever. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'd love to hear from you too. Thank you for joining Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. No more fake, fancy, or fluffy, but real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. For more information, go to dailydisciples.org or connectionsnetwork.tv. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.